So you ever had a time in your life where you can remember you just didn't have enough? Like you didn't have enough money in the checking account. You didn't have any cash in your pocket. You didn't have enough gas in the tank to even maybe make it to the next exit. You certainly didn't have enough patience to deal with the kids at that stage of life. Uh, You didn't have the endurance to go to one more online class. Just a time when you just thought, I just am not going to be able to go any further, and yet you did. And the only explanation you have is that the Lord got you through it. You have a story like that where God clearly came through and provided for you. So there's a story that came out of the time of Hurricane Katrina. There's a retired pastor and his wife lived on the coast of Mississippi. They didn't get out of town before the storm hit. They were able to make it to a storm shelter, though. And, and while they were there, um, the storm just hit and unleashed its full fury. They didn't realize the depth of the devastation until after the storm cleared. The first thing they did was they called their daughter in Atlanta and said, we're okay, we didn't get out of the state, but we did get to a shelter, we're going to be fine. And she said, Mom, Dad, you need to come to Atlanta, just stay with me. And they said, well, there's a problem with that. <laughs> um, we don't even know if there's anything left in town, and um, we don't have any money to get out of town. So they, they did have money, but it was in the bank. And none of the banks were open, so basically they were penniless. There's no way to, to go. So at the storm shelter the next day, they let everybody go into town just for a little bit to maybe look at their house, see if there's anything just to, in the very edge of the home that they could get. Pastor went into his home, and just imagine walking, and you're wading through water this deep, and he just realized there's nothing in our house that I can recover. There were some photographs in frames floating on the surface of the water in the living room, so he just grabbed up what he could, went back to the shelter, And he and his wife started taking the pictures out of the frames and laying them out so that they could dry. And it was when he took a picture of his dad and started to take the frame apart that something amazing happened. Cash fell out of the frame. I understand, Pastor and his wife were in their 70s. They'd been retired for a while. His dad had passed away in 1942 when he was 12 years old. He just realized... This money has been in here for a long time. I don't know who put it there. I don't know how it got there. $366, enough to get them from Mississippi to Atlanta. And the Lord provided that amazing gift. The Lord providentially took care of them. Do you have a story like that? So many times, so many places, people can say, I just have no other way to explain it, but that the Lord took care of me in my time of need. So we're talking about the... uh, The seven feasts of Israel, if you want to turn to Leviticus, the feast that we're looking at today is a story of how God provides for people. It's a story of past, present, and future providing. It's an amazing thing. I want you to go ahead and try to find Leviticus in your Bible. If you've got uh, an analog version, that's great. If you've got it on your phone, that's awesome too, because then you can just type in LEV and it'll pop up for you. So if you want to start looking for that, we're going to go to look at this. I want to give a little bit of context very quickly before we get into the verse we're going to read today. Just so we understand, what are the seven feasts of Israel? We started this series last week, so if you'd like to watch that or if you are uh, you know, new to this and you're kind of like, I don't even know what that means, let's just walk through it a little bit. In the history of Israel, it basically, it kind of starts back in Egypt. And the people of Israel were living in Egypt in slavery. There were a whole bunch of them. God delivered them out of Egypt. You may have heard of a man named Moses. He's the leader that God raised up to bring all these people out of Egypt. And they're going to go to what would become the land of Israel. So they're walking through the desert to get to Israel. They've been slaves for about 400 years. Just imagine 2 million, 3 million, 4 million people walking out of a country that they were enslaved in. And they're on their way to become free. 
Along the way, about 50 days out of Egypt, they stop at Mount Sinai in the desert where God gives them the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets. And along with giving them the law, and he gives them a whole set of guidelines for what it's going to be like when they come into their land and they're going to be a nation and a people, and he gives them the seven feasts of Israel at that time all at once. We've kind of accumulated our holidays in the United States over time, but they got all theirs at once. So the seven feasts, if you want to write these down, or just there's no quiz on this. You don't have to know the seven feasts to get into heaven, but it's very helpful to just know that as you're reading the Bible and trying to understand things. So number one would be the Feast of Passover. Then there's the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Feast of first fruits. All of these happened in the spring. They all happened in the same week. They'd already, the very first Passover and unleavened bread had happened in Egypt before they left. And so then you get those. Then you come 50 days later, and you have the Feast of Pentecost, which is what we talked about last week. Then in the fall, there are three more feasts. There's the Feast of Trumpets, and then there's the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and then you have the Feast of Shelters, which we're talking about today. So let's go ahead and just look at this. This is out of Leviticus, and you can find that starting in verse 33. Here's how we read about this. The Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Begin celebrating the Festival of Shelters on the 15th day of the appointed month, five days after the Day of Atonement. Now on the first day, gathered branches from magnificent trees, palm fronds, Bows from leafy trees, willows that grow by the streams, and then celebrate with joy before the Lord your God for seven days. For seven days you must live outside in little shelters. All native-born Israelites must live in shelters. Now why are we doing this? Why are we camping out every year? Here's why. God says this will remind each new generation of Israelites that I made their ancestors live in the shelters when I rescued them from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I'm going to pause here. If you want to go ahead and start preloading this, we're going to jump over to Deuteronomy because this is repeated again. But while you're thinking about looking at that, I'll tell you there's really three reasons why God gave these feasts to Israel, and this includes the Feast of Shelters. You may have also heard this called the Feast of Booths, Shelters, Tents, Tabernacles, Huts, all the same thing. Number one, it's just a memorial. Like God said in this verse that we just read, he wants the people to remember what their ancestors went through, the time that God provided. Remember that time we lived in tents? Isn't that crazy? Kind of like some of us are going to be saying, you remember that time when we all stayed home for a year? I hope we don't annually celebrate that somehow. But, uh, yeah, so it's a, all the feasts were a time to remember. There's a present component to them as well, though. There are times of reflection. For Israel, they would often, in these feasts, offer sacrifices to God. It was a time of repentance. It was a time of recommitting your life to God, getting things right with God, clearing the air, getting right with the people around you. But there was also a future element to this. And we, cl- we looked at this in the last message. And that is, there's a future component to all these festivals, God was teaching Israel over and over and over as they celebrated these things to anticipate Jesus. Just as God freed Israel from slavery, God wants to free the whole world from slavery to sin. And so there's even a future component for us. We say, well, we look back on Jesus. We remember Jesus. But there's a future component because at least one, if not three of these feasts still have things in the future for us. They're not completely fulfilled yet. And that's certainly the case with the Feast of Shelters. So this is why we're studying these. The feasts were shadows and the reality was Jesus. And we learn so much by looking at these shadows, these feasts. So you got Deuteronomy 16. Let's hear something else about this festival. 
God said, you must observe the festival of shelters for seven days at the end of the harvest season in the fall after the grain has been threshed, the grapes have been pressed. This festival will be a happy time of celebrating with your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites, foreigners, orphans, widows from your towns. For seven days, you must celebrate this festival to honor the Lord your God at the place he chooses. For it's he who blesses you with bountiful harvests. It's he who gives you success in all your work. This festival will be a time of great joy for all. If you want to think in terms of American holidays, this is the 4th of July, Independence Day, smooshed together with Thanksgiving and a weekend camping out at the lake or down by the river or wherever you choose to go camp in a tent or a camper or whatever you got. It's just a really fun time. Everybody every year looks forward to celebrating this time together. Now, in terms of who was obligated actually to celebrate this, Only the men were obligated to celebrate this. They were all to go to Jerusalem and celebrate this in the temple. But in reality, everybody went. Why wouldn't you? Like, you you know, like the whole family could just pack up and go spend a week in a tent down in Jerusalem. It was, I know for some of you, you're thinking, this doesn't sound like a, a holiday at all. But it really was. Your whole family was there. There was a lot of food. There was a lot of fun. As, um, as time went on, and they actually were in the land of Egypt, everybody would go to Jerusalem, and it was just an enormously fun time. Everybody would cut the, the trees down and make their, their shelters outside Jerusalem. Every day there was a parade in the city. At night there would be a parade where they would carry torches through the town and the candelabras. And it reminded them of something about when they were back, when their ancestors were coming out of Egypt. Because, I don't know if you know this or not, but God gave a visible, literal visible sign of his presence the whole way while Israel was traveling, the people of Israel were traveling to the place of Israel. In the daytime, no matter where you were, now think about four million people scattered out, like the population of St. Louis and the whole surrounding area in the desert. How could they see that God was with them? In the daytime, there was an enormous pillar of cloud. No matter where you were, you could look and go, God is still with us. And at night, it turned into a column of fire. So wherever you were camped out at, whatever that noise was you heard and you think it's a bear, you just look out the tent and you see the pillar of fire and you go, the Lord's still with us. And so every night during the Feast of Shelters in Jerusalem, they would walk through the town with those torches to remember God's still with us. They would also do this really cool thing. They would, um, they would uh, carry water through the town as well. And they would gather it from a pool of water and they would take it and they would pour it out at the temple. Just an amazing thing. Now, as you think about, like, I want you to kind of use your imagination a little bit. What would your shelter look like if you were going to build a shelter? They still do this in Israel today. I don't know if you know this or not. They're getting ready to celebrate this in September again. I think we've got a picture of what a shelter right now looks like. Maybe. Behind me? Okay. I'm not looking at the right place. <laughs> So uh, that's what they look like. I actually challenged our staff and said, hey, guys, I think we need to build our own shelters. And our staff being different people, um, we've got some creativity on our staff. First of all, Ashley, our children's director, she is very much not into camping. She's into glamping. So hers, her tent was tastefully appointed. It smells good. It looks nice. Yeah. Yeah, then uh, Pastor Aaron, he's really into the blues. His looks like a tailgate when the blues win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, good for him. Uh, Pastor Jeff has never done anything halfway. When his was done, it went on the market and had multiple offers over listing price on day one. 
And then and there's my, oh, Nate, actually Nate, tech director Nate. Nate's was fully equipped with a flat screen TV, Xbox, soft serve ice cream. That was awesome. And uh, there's mine. You know what, everybody's, <laughs> he tried, bless his heart. <laughs> so these obviously aren't real. But people really did do this. They really went out and they cut branches down and uh, they, they really would, would spend the night for a week to remember what God had done for their ancestors, to remember what God was doing in their lives, how God had provided, how God continues to provide. And remember, I told you they would walk through the streets of Jerusalem with the pitchers of water they pulled out of the pool of Siloam and they would dump them out. This actually helped them remember something else, how God provided. You think of it, four million people in a desert. What are they going to eat? What are they going to drink? It's a desert. Well, this is another interesting true story. If you go to Exodus It's in chapter 17, verse 1. It says, At the Lord's command, the whole community of Israel left the wilderness of Sinai. I know it looks like sin, but this is the wilderness of Sinai. They left that place. They went from place to place. Eventually, they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water there for the people to drink. So once more, the people complained against Moses. Give us water to drink, they demanded. Quiet, Moses replied. Why are you complaining against me, and why are you testing the Lord? Does this sound like any car trips you've taken with your kids? This is exactly what reminds me of like a bunch of toddlers. It's not their finest moment. I guess they were hangry or fangry, thirsty and angry. They, they were worried. Like, we're, what are we going to do? We're in a desert. We're going to die here. So well, no problem. God provided. Verse 5 of chapter 17 of Exodus. The Lord said to Moses, walk out in front of the people. Take your staff, the one you used when you struck the water of the Nile. Call some of the elders of Israel to join you. I will stand before you on the rock at Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come gushing out. Then the people will be able to drink. So Moses struck the rock as he was told, and water gushed out as the elders looked on. Time after time after time, God provided for the people of Israel. I don't know how you feel about this. The part of me that you know, likes to try to organize things just feels like, how in the world do I take care of four million people? And God says, look, I created the universe. I think I can feed a few million people. Not a problem. And the God who provided for Israel all through their story, their true story, is still taking care of you. So what do we take away from the Feast of Shelters? I think we ought to do what Israel did, and we should reflect. And what I would invite you, first of all, to do is just reflect on how has God taken care of you in the past? And I know that there's maybe for some of us a, a little feeling of maybe God hasn't taken care of me in the past. There's a time that I actually feel disappointment with God. But I want you to reflect a little bit more deeply about that because God really does take care of you. And you may have a story that you don't even realize and haven't connected the dots that that was God taking care of you. So I remember right after college, I, got my, I had my first full-time job which then led to me getting my first apartment. And I had my first full-time paycheck, and this was, the church just wrote me a check, so I had to go, and I, okay, I guess I need to start adulting. I should go open a bank account in town. So I went to one, and I deposited the whole thing in my new account. And the teller tried to warn me. She said, are you sure you want to deposit the whole thing? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm like adulting here. Put it all in. I'm being responsible. And she said, well, the funds won't be available till Monday because it's a new account. I think what she was trying to tell me was, come on, idiot, you want to go to the bank next door that your church uses and cash it and put some of the cash in your pocket and some of the... I'm like, no, I'm fine. I got a debit card. It's okay. I was about halfway to the car when I realized, oh, 
I'm going to be living Friday, Saturday, and Sunday on the money that's already in my pocket and the food that I brought with me from my dorm room. Oh, <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of money in my pocket. And just imagine what you would have in a dorm room at college. Thank the Lord for the 59 79 99 cent menu at Taco Bell, number one. <laughs> the Lord provided. And, um, yeah, I did have some interesting food. And I, did, I exercised my creativity that weekend. Did you know you could make hot dog fried rice? Yeah, don't. It's, uh, it's a thing that should never be repeated. But I made it through that weekend, and the Lord took care of me. Do you have a story where the Lord provided for you, where you didn't know how it was going to work out, but he came through? You know, this, this Feast of Shelters reminds us that if you think hard enough, you're going to realize God's taking care of you. And I understand. This has been a rough year and a half. This, we're, we're hitting the anniversary of where this stuff really started with COVID and some other things that I just would rather not think about. But you know, and sometimes it's just very easy to think, well, I just will not get through this. It will never get better. It will not work out. I would invite you to think again about that. Did you have food to eat in the last 24 hours, 48 hours? Turn the water on. Did water come out of the faucet? Did the sun come up this morning somewhere? <laughs> way too early on Time Change Sunday, you know, did you have air to breathe just a moment ago? And the Lord is so good to us. You should just keep going. Exercising gratitude is a great way to start getting yourself in alignment with what God's doing in the world, and it really will change not just your perspective, but your life to realize God's been ahead of you this whole time. He knew what you needed before you ever knew it yourself. You're going to be okay. I love what, what I've seen through this last year. I've seen people step up and step forward to take care of each other. I'm very proud of you all. I'm proud of what this church has done for a year now to not just take care of each other because I think you've done a good job of that. And appreciate those of you who have continued to stay faithful, visiting online and being a part of the service and staying connected. I know that many of you have been taking care of your neighbors. You've been doing that, neighboring and serving one another, serving people around you. We've been able to share food and meals with people. We're looking forward to doing that again at Easter. I want to just say thank you very much to all of our tech team and our leaders and our other people who have made sure that even through all of this, there's always been a church that somebody could come to and hear about Jesus and be taught and encouraged and there could be prayer and and we've gathered. And I'm not throwing shade on anybody who hasn't. I'm just very thankful for those who've taken risks, sometimes personally have been affected to, to do this. So thank you all for that. I'm thankful for the things that God has done through this. I think he's bringing our church closer together. I think he's bringing our community together if we'll listen to him and follow his lead. The Lord is going to take care of us. We're going to be okay. It's going to be fine. Just say thanks to him for that. I want you to think about this. The Feast of Shelters was pointing to something that happened for us 2,000 years ago that changed the world, and it's never been the same since. Hope entered the world with Jesus, and it's, it's going to be fine because of him. And I would not say that otherwise. But I've just seen too much of the Lord to know this is going to be okay. The Bible says this in John 1.14. I want you to see this. Just look at this. The word that's talking about Jesus became human, and he made his home among us. You know what that literally is? It literally is he pitched his tent. He made his shelter. He put on human form. He became one of us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. You have so much to be thankful for, and so do I. So I would invite you not only to think about your past and give thanks to God for that, but maybe look around what's going on in your world right now and, and see where is God at work in your world. 
What is it that God's doing to provide for you right now? Listen to this. If you're a Christian, I have something to tell you that you may have never thought about, you may have never heard about, but this is for you. John chapter 7. We're going to start there. It says, Soon it was the time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And I want you to see this. Jesus celebrated the festival of shelters. You go on down to verse 37. On the last day of this festival, the climax of the festival, this is the day they brought the water from the pool and poured it out at the temple. Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when Jesus said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. If you're a Christian... He's given you the gift of the Holy Spirit living within you. And the Holy Spirit is with you whether you know it or not. And he's encouraging you and he's comforting you and he's challenging you and he's reminding you of things that you know. He's helping you understand this and he's bringing thoughts to your mind that you would never have on your own. He's urging you to become the person he wants you to be and knows you can be. The Holy Spirit is a gift that is in you right now. And the best thing you could do is cooperate. Once you're aware that the Spirit is speaking with your conscience and in your heart, don't put the emergency brake on. Don't fight him. Work with him. I want you to see how he helps you. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, the Bible says in Romans 8, 26, one of the things he does is the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father, who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Like, I don't know if you've ever had a time like that where you're just like, I don't even know what to pray. And like you just start to pray, God, fill in the rest because I just don't have the words. You ever prayed like that? I was talking to my father-in-law this week. He had no idea what I was preaching on. He just, just told me a story out of the blue that actually is exactly what I'm talking about. He was at Chick-fil-A. And while he was eating, he just put a napkin down, put his hearing aids on the napkin on his tray, finished eating. And when he was done, just threw the whole tray away. You ever done that, like with a retainer or with your AirPods or something like that? Like, it's a horrible feeling once you realize, I can't find the thing I'm looking for, and I'm pretty sure I threw it away. So he went back to Chick-fil-A. Of course, because it's Chick-fil-A, they've already emptied the trash. That place is awesome. And so they're like, okay, well, we can go out to the dumpster and, you know, It's Chick-fil-A, but it's a dumpster, so it's probably still pretty nasty. I can imagine what he encountered there. They open it up, and there's the trash bags, and he's like, how much are hearing aids again? And it was in that moment, he just did what this scripture's talking about. It was a prayer like, God, I really can't afford this. You might say, well, what kind of a prayer is that? It's an honest prayer. I don't even, like, where's the ask? It was just, I can't afford this. Took the first bag out of the dumpster, tore it open, and there was a napkin sitting on top with the hearing aids on top of the napkin in the very first bag. Like, how can you not just start the prayer when you've got the Holy Spirit of God and a Father who loves you, cares about you, knows what you need before you even know that you need it, listening? This is the present reality you live in. If you're not a Christian, I'm sorry for you, and I want you to be part of this. Like, there's nothing that stands between you and having this kind of experience other than you just saying yes to Jesus and being in the family. Because this is for everybody. 
And this is the reality. When Jesus came and he pitched his tent and became one of us here, this is what he came to bring. The life that we were always supposed to have, the life of abundance, not the life that sin has screwed everything up. We're working towards something really good here. In fact, that's what I want you to take away. One last thing as we kind of wrap this up. Use this time and this, uh, this feast to remind you, God's done some great things in my life. And he's doing some good things in my life now. But there's still more to come. What has God promised you for the future? That's what this whole thing is about. Because the Feast of Shelters is a time to remind people that you used to be in a really bad situation, and God promised you a wonderful situation, but the time in between when you're camping in tents, God's still there for you. Let me, uh, let me read this from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm really happy I get to share some of these verses with you because generally I only get to share these things at funerals when we're talking about the death of a loved one who is in Christ. It's nice to think about the things that we have in store for us right now. Like 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For we know that when this earthly tent, same exact word as shelter, tabernacle, booth, when we know this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. Man, we have so much to look forward to. This reality is not forever. This present age is fading away very quickly. We are closer than we've ever been to the new life that is to come. Now, as to some, I like to do a lot of backpacking and hiking. And one of the things I, I've spent a lot of time is in tents and shelters out on the Appalachian Trail. There comes a point where you're just like, I'm tired of this. And I think it's part of what I enjoy about backpacking, honestly, is that moment when I realize I really want to go home and have a real shower and a real bed and real food. And I don't know if there's something in you that just goes, this life is really good. There's a lot of things I enjoy about it. I'm not eager to get out of here anytime soon, but if things are going to get better, that's okay, because there's also a lot of things about this place that just don't work right. There's a lot of things that are broken about this place and about our bodies and about our relationships and everything else. I love what the Bible says here in Romans chapter 8, verse 23. It says, you know, not only, like we just saw a moment ago, not only does the Holy Spirit groan, we believers also groan, even though we do have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies that he promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved, you know, if you've already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. You know, there's so much more to come. The Feast of Shelters has not yet fully been fulfilled. It won't be completely fulfilled until Christ comes on that day. And when that day comes, there will be a complete restoration of everything. It will be back to the way it was supposed to be including us. We will be in real physical bodies in a real physical place and we'll know one another and there will be such unity for those who are in Christ. I want you to get a picture of what our future looks like. This is what the Feast of Shelters has been pointing towards and still continues to point towards. Revelation 21. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home, shelter, is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. And this is our hope. I don't know where you are right now if you're kind of in that in-between time. 
and you're just ready for things to be better than they are, they're going to be. The Lord's going to take care of you. He's taking care of everyone all through history who's come to him. No one's ever been forsaken who's turned to the Lord. And it's not going to start with you. I want you to remember, if you are a Christian, what the Lord has promised you. I want you to cling firmly to what God has said he's going to do for you. I want you to know that no matter how bad things are right now, it's going to be better. Now, if you're not a Christian, not throwing shade on you, but I can't assure you of the same thing. But I want to be able to assure you. It's really in your hands about what you choose to do with Jesus. He came here and he was one of us to bring us into his family. He would love for you to say yes to him. And wherever you are and whatever you've done, it doesn't matter. God's willing to accept you into his family. I would just invite you to consider saying yes to Jesus, to let the Holy Spirit live within you, to change things about you that you can't change about yourself, to to provide for you, to provide forgiveness of your sins, to give you a hope for a future that you can never have taken away from you. Let me pray for you. Father, I am so thankful for the love that you have for us, that Jesus, you were willing to leave heaven, become one of us, to literally live the life we live for 33 years, to suffer all the things we suffer, to, to pay for our sins. And you had no sins of your own to feel guilty about, and yet you stepped in the way of our sin. And thank you for that new life that you promised us, the life that we're living right now, the life that is to come. I know so many people are hurting right now, Father. I ask that you would help us to be your hands to to take care of people and the things that are beyond our ability to do things with, to take care of, that you through your Holy Spirit would just provide encouragement, comfort, and strength for people who just don't know where else to turn. I ask that you would just make yourself so real to us. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Brian.